0: Traitorous pig. I'll hang you up by your vulcaneers. I'll have you all executed. I think not. Your authority on this ship is extremely limited, Captain. The four of you will remain here in the brig and in custody until I discover how to return you to wherever it is you belong. There's a whole galaxy gone crazy. What kind of
1: a uniform is this? Where's your beard? What's going on? Where's my personal guard? I can answer none of your questions at this time. is the bad place.
0: Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And I have seen this episode two times and I barely remember it.
1: Yeah, we're on episode 15 of season five. The Brothers Jones are terrible. That last part was me. Ah. It's just called the Brothers Jones. By the way, I keep wanting to call it the Brothers Jonas. I don't know what they thought they were doing with this title.
0: Yeah, the Jonas Brothers were a thing by this point.
1: Yeah, if you've been listening to our podcast the past few weeks, I think you can guess how excited we are to do an episode all about Killian Jones.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be fun on a bun.
1: Let's jump in.
0: So as a reminder, everyone's in hell to save Captain Hook... <laughs> And it's all just, it's all terrible.
1: Also, David has a twin brother.
0: They're finally taking advantage of the fact that David has an evil twin brother.
1: Except are they really? They do not use that to its full advantage. And I feel like that is 100% because Josh Dallas couldn't do it. Mm. Like he didn't have the acting range to play both himself and his own evil brother.
0: Wow, coming hard at Josh Dallas.
1: I'm sorry, it's just... I'm just going off what I see on the screen.
0: So are you not looking forward to his new super dramatic 4400-esque TV show?
1: Manifest?
0: I'm really, really shocked somebody gave him a TV show. We try not to smack talk actors here sometimes when we remember, but I don't get why he's getting a TV show.
1: I can think of a lot of more talented, more attractive, more charismatic actors walking around without TV shows.
0: I mean, there's nothing wrong with him. He's fine.
1: He's fine. He's
0: like, uh, Wheat Thins. I was gonna say Triscuits, but Triscuits are pretty filling. You could have, like, a handful of Triscuits and not eat a meal. He's like Wheat Thins.
1: He's Baked Lays. He's the Baked Lays of humans.
0: Oof. Dang. Also previously... Henry had a secret meeting with Cruella where she told him that the soul of the author's pen is in hell with them and that he can use it to bring her back to life so that his mom will no longer be a murderer for murdering her.
1: That's bullshit. That's not how murder works. Your soul isn't unstained if someone completely outside of your actions brings the person back to life. I know I brought this up before and then you pointed out that morality on Once Upon a Time doesn't make any sense, so whatever. All right, so let's get away from things that are driving us crazy and talk about this episode, which opens with Cruella DeVille, a character this show should have focused more on.
0: Mm, yeah. She is driving all crazy through hell, which has Henry mildly concerned, although, as Cruella points out, like...
1: What, are you going to be more dead?
0: Which, yeah, he, he, he's alive in hell.
1: What happens if you die in hell? Like... Not if you fall into the pit that sends you to super hell, but if you just die in hell, what happens to you?
0: Do you automatically go to super hell? It seems odd that they didn't clarify what happens if you die in this version of the underworld.
1: If you die in hell, do you die in the real world?
0: (laughs) So Henry's pointing out that driving super fast around the edge of town is not a great way to find a pen. And Carl's like, look. Being the author basically runs off bullshit powers. So we're just going to drive around until some bullshit happens, and then you'll find the pen. And Henry's like, look, bullshit.
1: Well, Henry's basically like a drowsing rod for the pen. Mm. So she's just waving him around until he hones in on the pen, which he does. So good on Corella; She knows how this nonsense world works. God,
0: she should have been the overarching big bad for this show.
1: The whole show? Like instead of Rumpelstiltskin? Yeah. Oh, Wow, that's a bold statement.
0: Let me take that back a little bit. She should have been the team rocket of this show.
1: Like a comedic villain that shows up to foil the good guys all the time. She should have been what this show had instead of Zelina.
0: Yeah, she should have been the reoccurring bad guy who's not the big bad. Oh god, she should have been Spike instead of uh, Hook.
1: Yes! Huh, interesting. Interesting shipping potential. Anyway, let's go on.
0: So Henry and Corella go wandering off into the woods and they separate for basically only so that Henry can encounter the Sorcerer's Apprentice by himself. Boy, I thought the show forgot about this guy, but...
1: No, yeah, well, they needed to. they needed to do an exposition dump and they were like, didn't we used to have someone who did exposition dumps?
0: Yeah. And Henry's like, why are you here? Didn't you fulfill your purpose by vomiting out a whole bunch of exposition and then dying?
1: And the sorcerer's apprentice is like, ah, but I knew you would need another exposition dump, and my work here was not yet done. He tells Henry that he can't take the pen, he shouldn't use it to raise the dead, and Henry's all like, wait, I thought you told me it couldn't raise the dead? And the sorcerer's apprentice tries to be like, well, I just didn't want to tempt you.
0: He says the rules down here are a little more flexible, but basically what he means is soft retcons, dude. Soft retcons.
1: Soft retcon, I like that. Anyway, Henry says that he needs the pen not just to resurrect Cruella, but because he feels so helpless without it. Because with the pen, he has the ability to change reality. And now he's given that power up. And the Sorcerer's Apprentice is like, Dude, the whole point is that you're not supposed to do that. Why are you telling me this? Why is he telling him that?
0: Shrug. But... Henry is back on his I want to be a hero kick which used to be annoying but then we had the end of season four was it where
1: Henry was the hero and he fixed everything with a stroke of his pen.
0: He fixed everything by tracking down Isaac by himself with no powers, beating the crap out of him, getting sucked into a magical book. We've seen that Henry is by far the most competent character in the show at this point.
1: Oh, that's true. He did a lot of stuff prior to fixing everything with the pen. I also thought his final sentence was really elegantly crafted. It was like, I think we talked about this at the time, but Henry would be really good at coming up with wishes that ironic genies couldn't fuck you with.
0: Yeah, Henry understands narratives, and again, he he's back on his I-want-to-be-a-hero kick, but we... we
1: We're no- okay with that, because we want him to be a hero, too. Because all the rest of the heroes who are wandering around hell trying to figure out what to do suck at it.
0: Yeah, they need his help.
1: Please, God, let there be a competent character. And if it's Henry, great, we love Henry now.
0: Like, if anyone else had been left alone at the end of season four... They would have just been wandering around Storybrooke for five episodes.
1: God, can you imagine? oh I'm having, like, phantom terror at how awful that would have been.
0: Yeah, Henry got shit done in half an episode, so his complaining about being left on the sidelines, it makes sense.
1: Totally valid. So, the Sorcerer's Apprentice also realizes that he wants this shit to be done, so he tells Henry that the quill and the ink and also a bunch of other stuff that he needs are locked in the sorcerer's mansion, which is here in hell, and the sheriff has the key. You remember the sheriff, of course, is...
0: Is David's evil twin brother, James.
1: Because apparently in hell you have to do the job of your closest living relative.
0: Weird, but fine. So, the sorcerer's apprentice tells Henry that it's his choice to make, but if he doesn't make the right choice... The Sorcerer's Apprentice is going to be stuck here forever. So it's not really... He's not really leaving the choice up to Henry if he's like, okay, you can choose whether or not to alter reality, but if you make the selfish choice, then you're screwing me over forever.
1: I mean, if Henry makes the selfish choice, isn't the Sorcerer's Apprentice unfinished business finished? It's just that it went terribly, terribly wrong. That doesn't mean it's not finished. Yeah. Just throwing that out there.
0: Wait, if you're... If your business is finished incorrectly, do you go to Superhell?
1: I mean, yeah, right?
0: That seems odd, but okay.
1: It seems odd, but it seems to fit with all of the other bullshit rules about how hell works in Once Upon a Time.
0: Also, couldn't Henry just use his reality-altering powers to say, the Sorcerer's Apprentice went to White Lighter Land?
1: Ooh, that's a good point. I was going to say it's a good question. The question being... Can the pen alter all realities or only the enchanted forest realm? But we know that it can alter our world, the world without magic. So we can assume that it can affect all realms, which means that it can affect hell. Yeah, That's I mean, odd. the pen can change the nature of the afterlife. You know what? That is overpowered. That is too much power. <laughs>
0: Well, it has to work within narrative parameters, though.
1: It's true. Later on, Henry's.
0: Which is a really good way of limiting that sort of power. It needs to be a good story.
1: And in fact, the author did even hint at that, right? When he said that he changed things, part of his excuse was it makes a better story. Even though we disagreed that it made a better story. But at least that was the rationale given.
0: So back at Emma's Hell House, she's trying to look after Hook, who's all beat up from his time in Hades' unfortunate dungeon.
1: Yes. In Emma's Hell House, by the way, is her crib, her childhood crib that she never got to use because she went through the portal instead.
0: Unfinished business.
1: Right. And it has the mobile hanging over it with the unicorns, but the mobile is covered with cobwebs, which makes sense because it went unused for 30 years. But because it's a circular mobile and the way it's covered with cobwebs, it kind of evokes the dream catchers. It does. Huh. I have no idea if that was done on purpose or not.
0: It's still, it's very, it's a very cool look. So Emma's fussing over Hook.
1: She uses her magic to heal him. And I know that we've kind of accidentally been keeping track of whether light magic or dark magic is used to heal. So we should note that... This is light magic being used to heal.
0: That's nice. And he's he's mad at Emma for going down to hell to save him.
1: Yeah, he's like, I don't deserve to be redeemed, so just go.
0: I mean, yeah, that's accurate.
1: He's like, I don't deserve your compassion because when you became the Dark One, you tried to destroy the darkness. And when I became the Dark One, I became a giant dick.
0: Yep. Accurate.
1: Yeah. Episode over. Everyone goes back to storybook. Season's done. Oh, wait, no. Emma's gonna talk him into being saved.
0: <sighs> it's awful. Hook's like, I i don't think I deserve to be saved. And Emma's like, no, you you did the true and noble thing when the chips were down. And it's like...
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember you saved us from the terrible thing that you did.
0: This awful, awful conversation is interrupted by a knock at the door, which... <gasps> look, it's Hook's dead brother, Liam.
1: Sure. That makes sense. I would definitely expect to see him in hell. Yeah. And he sends us into a flashback where we see Killian and Liam working on Long John Silver's ship. And this is after they were sold into slavery by their father, but before they joined the Royal Navy.
0: Killian is an alcoholic now, which what level of irony is this? Because the first time we saw him in a flashback, he was a uh, teetotaler. He was a teetotaler. So now we're seeing that before that he was an alcoholic, and then after that he was an alcoholic, so...
1: Well, also, I mean, this is, as you say, a soft retcon, because when we saw him as a teetotaler before, it wasn't, oh, I have been an alcoholic before, and I am forbearing alcohol right now. It was, oh, I don't touch the stuff. I've never had a drink in my life. So when we saw him in the Navy, this backstory didn't exist. Yes. And yet here he is... A drunkard. But Liam suggests, as I suggested to Liam back when they were first sold into slavery, mm. that the best way out would be to join the Navy. Yeah,
0: because then they would belong to the king, and the king outranks Long John Silver.
1: Although actually that isn't the solution. The solution is to use the signing bonus to buy themselves out of servitude. Which, which okay, yeah,
0: solid. So, Long John Silver, not a huge fan of this plan. He likes having... Uh, Do you think he likes having Hook work for him or do you think Liam's really good at work and Hook is just the albatross he accepts in order to have Liam on his crew?
1: Oh yeah, I think Liam is the one who's super competent and he knows that he can basically get Hook to screw up and therefore keep him on the ship and he also knows that Liam won't leave without his brother, so.
0: Yeah, which he uses this to his advantage. He's like, okay, fine. You want to go sign up for the Navy? Silver Jones, you go. Fuck up, Jones. You stay here. I'm sure that fuck up, Jones won't do anything to fuck this up for you. Yep. Specifically, he's keeping Killian as collateral, which...
1: Well, also, I mean, they are still in bondage to him.
0: Mm. Back in hell, Hook wants to know why Liam's stuck in this nether place, which...
1: He actually suggests that Underbrook is rigged so that nobody can go to heaven, And that Liam is proof that Hades isn't playing fair, because clearly Liam has no unfinished business.
0: He says that he died a noble death trying to stop a treacherous king from getting a terrible poison.
1: It's not exactly what happened. I mean...
0: It's what happened-ish.
1: What happened, if I'm recalling this correctly is that he claimed that his king would never use poison because it's not honorable, and to prove it, he ingested the material himself, and it turns out it was poison and he died. Right?
0: Well, what happened was the king sent him and uh, Hook to Neverland to get an herb that he claimed would heal all wounds. Pan was like, lol, nope, that's super poisonous. Liam's like, uh, it's not super poisonous, and he took a bit of it, and he's like, oh, God, dying. Right. But then he drank that magic water that was on Neverland.
1: Oh, right, so that he could never leave Neverland.
0: Yeah, and he's like, oh, it is poison. Turns out the king's a dick. Let's take some of this poison, sail back, and tell everyone that the king was a dick but it turned out the magic water only stopped the poison when you were on Neverland, so he died as soon as they crossed the border.
1: Okay, well, so I was remembering correctly. I just forgot about the extra gut punch of the magic water.
0: Yeah, remember, it's once upon a time. You need to, like, double tap to keep someone down.
1: Even more, because here's Liam right now. (laughs) Triple (laughs) tap. Yeah, warning Hook that Hades is a super bad dude and he should not tangle with him.
0: He says that there's a book that contains the key to Hades's downfall, but he spent the several hundred years he's been in hell looking for it and he hasn't found it. And I'm like, oh, right, the book, that book, the, the book. book
1: from season one that has all of the answers because it has everyone's backstory in it.
0: That book that used to be super important. And we basically kind of dropped after a while, like the hot chocolate with cinnamon thing. I feel like it, it's been a God, while. I
1: hadn't thought about that, but you're right. We haven't talked about hot chocolate with cinnamon in a long time.
0: I think they were overdoing it for a while there. Remember that one episode where they wouldn't shut up about it? When Emma was going to give up her powers during the Snow Queen?
1: Oh god, Uh, yeah. But Emma thinks that since the storybook is basically the hell version of Henry's storybook, it'll probably be the same place Henry's book is, which is in this very loft. But no, that would be too easy. It's not in this loft. Come on, Emma. Use your head.
0: Regina says that it's the embodiment of hope, so it might not be here which because there's no hope in hell but it's not the
1: embodiment of hope it's just your story
0: this is some real ogloff's hammer suddenly the troll god hammer retconning
1: yeah yeah they're putting a lot more stock in what that book is it's just a chronicle of what happened
0: so liam corners emma and he's like hey I know you think that you're too good for my brother. And she's like, I don't think I'm too good for your brother. And he's like, that's right. You're a shitty person and I hate you. It's your fault that my brother's stuck in hell. And she's like, that's kind of going a bridge too far, don't you think?
1: Yeah, Liam is a dick. Liam is just laying into Emma for not respecting Hook's sacrifice. You know, when he sacrificed himself to stop himself from killing her whole family and sending them all to hell.
0: Yeah, fuck you, Liam. But Liam tells her that she's a garbage person who doesn't deserve his brother, and just by being here, she's ruining his brother's chances to move on, which...
1: Oh, you know, I hadn't thought about this before, but I think now I'm realizing what Liam's end goal was. Liam's end goal was to just chill in Underbrook with his brother for all eternity. He just wanted to get rid of this chick... So that he and Hook could be comfortable at his bar. He runs a bar. So apparently his closest living relative runs a bar. I don't know. Anyway, so he...
0: Do you think he's running the White Rabbit? Because that's like the only other bar in Storybrooke that's not Granny's.
1: I'm pretty sure it's the set of the White Rabbit. Hmm. Which means that perhaps the person who is running the White Rabbit is distantly related to Hook.
0: That would be cool.
1: That would be cool. Anyway, I think his plan is just chill here with Hook forever. And, like, bro down. And this girl is getting in the way of his bro time. Literal bro time. (laughs)
0: Literal bro time. So, (sighs) Henry comes back into the loft. I like how nobody was paying any attention to what Henry was doing.
1: Right? Huh. They're like, yeah, just wander around hell. Which, okay, that makes sense. He's more equipped than any of the rest of them.
0: And- Indeed, he comes in, he's like, what are you guys up to? And they're like, well, we're looking for the Underworld version of the storybook. And he's like, so I ran into the Sorcerer's Apprentice and he said that it's probably at the Sorcerer's Mansion. Literally, I am the most goddamn competent character here. Why do any of you do anything?
1: Anyway, then there's this really creepy moment where they realize that they have to go get the key from James. And Mary Margaret mentions that she needs to punch him anyway because he non-consensually kissed her when she thought he was David. And then David gets weirdly defensive. He's like, is he a better kisser than I am? Wait, don't tell me. I don't want to know. That's creepy. Also,
0: David's really earning his asshole points this episode.
1: Not the right response to your wife being assaulted. Just (laughs) by the way.
0: So they all go off on their merry way to
1: Oh my god, the thing they're gonna do? Wait till we get to that.
0: We'll get to it. Back in medieval fantasy ship times.
1: I think this is more fake Victorian ship times.
0: It is, it is, you're right. Which is weird. It's like the it's like the world moves backwards a little bit sometimes.
1: I mean doesn't it? Point. Back on Long John Silver's ship, Liam arrives with his two commissions for him and for killian
0: and it turns out in the 15 minutes he went to get those commissions killian lost a whole bunch of hands of some sort of game and now he belongs to long john silver forever
1: yeah he lost all of the money that they needed in addition to the signing bonus to get free so
0: he's gone 15 minutes dude
1: yeah so now killian can't afford to buy his freedom although liam still can But as I said before, Long John Silver knows that Liam's not about to leave his brother alone.
0: It's kind of funny because Long John Silver is like, look, leave him behind. You're way better than him. You don't need his ass weighing you down.
1: Your brother is toxic. You need to remove this toxic relationship from your life.
0: Which seems odd because he definitely just wants Liam to be part of his crew. It seems like Hook Oh,
1: he knows how Liam works. He knows exactly what Liam's going to do when he says that, which is rip up his commissions and throw them into the sea and claim that he's going to stay with Killian. Which, by the way, I didn't know you could do that. You could just join the Navy and then not join the Navy? Apparently?
0: Well, come hell or high water, he's yeah. not going to leave his brother.
1: Yeah, thank you for thank you for stopping to point out the terrible- It's not really a pun. It's like a-
0: Single entendre.
1: It's a single entendre. There you go.
0: It's a non tendre
1: It's a non tendre Back in Underbrook, in the bar that Liam runs, which, yeah, I think this is definitely the White Rabbit, Hades shows up to have a drink with Liam and let us know that Liam is... I'm not working with Hades, but working at Hades's command, essentially, to foil the plans of the Charmings.
0: He owes Hades some sort of debt. Hades magics up some scotch and he's like, it's aged several centuries. The key is to keep it underground because you see we're in hell. So (laughs) that's basically all of Hades' dialogue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Hades knows that the storybook crew's plan is to find the storybook. And he needs Liam to render it worthless by ripping out his story. Because he doesn't want them to have a certain piece of information. Hmm. Let me be honest with you, Max. I wish we didn't have this piece of information. I wish we didn't know the thing that we discover at the end of this episode. I wish we never knew it.
0: Removed from the context of Once Upon a Time, it's actually pretty funny. But within the show, yeah. I mean, I don't
1: know why I'm being cool. We're going to say it in 30 minutes. But yeah, Hades used to be in a relationship with Zelina. Everything that Hades does is about getting to bone Selena.
0: Hey, it's almost like that thing Selena's mom used to say, love is his weakness.
1: Oh, interesting. Why are you making this more interesting than it is? I guess that's kind of our job, isn't it?
0: Hmm. Because he, he talks about how his weakness is in those few pages and it's love because love is his weakness. Cause...
1: Love is a weakness.
0: Uh, unless you're in a better narrative than this. Because remember, in most narratives, the power of love allows you to destroy your enemies with bright blasts of white light.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: Sailor Moon does it. They Harry did. Potter. Harry Potter. Care Bears. Did... Well, Care Bears, uh, love allows you to brainwash people with bright light. Stardust. Yes. That one run of the Young Avengers.
1: In Warm Bodies, love's-
0: Love is the cure for the zombie uh, virus.
1: Yeah. Oh, love.
0: So love is the most destructive force in the universe. It's good to know.
1: All right. So the next scene is the most painful scene. It's so painful, y'all. Okay. Okay. David and Mary Margaret show up at the Hell Prison, which looks exactly like the regular prison, except that the jail cells are replaced with dungeon cells but like still in a sheriff's office
0: so they're going through james's desk and mary margaret's all you know you two are so alike and david's like do we kiss like don't tell me but tell me but don't tell me and mary margaret's like dude dude no stop stop it stop it now
1: mary margaret's like i don't have time for your nonsense here's the key we're looking for and oh look handcuffs that's what you would expect to find in a sheriff's station but look handcuffs
0: seriously there's a lot of what it what would you say s and m shaming here
1: yeah, yeah, so Cruella comes in and Mary Margaret hides so that David can pretend to be James
0: oh boy uh, it's know-
1: so cringy it's so cringy
0: you know what it reminds me of what I think you could guess in what scenario is a person attempting to pretend to be like an evil sexy badass version of themselves you
1: are not even comparing david to vampire willow
0: i i I was comparing him to willow pretending to be vampire willow
1: willow pretending to be vampire willow is adorable david pretending to be evil james is a train wreck
0: i'm so bored with all this killing uh but david is not vampire willow or willow david is the most obvious motherfucker on the planet
1: yeah corella comes in and she is ready for some of that hot james action (laughs) okay david's like oh yes i'm sexy and bad it's oh so painful
0: see We came at this differently. I love these scenes because, spoiler alert for later in the episode, Cruella is immediately on to the fact that this is David and not James. So she's like a cat playing with a mouse. A really, really stupid mouse.
1: It's funny. It kept making me think of the Mirror Universe episode of Star Trek, the original series. In that episode, the crew is on the evil Enterprise, and at one point... Kirk says that he's worried about all the damage that's being caused by their evil counterparts on Prime Enterprise. And then we Gilligan cut to evil Kirk locked up in the brig, literally shouting at good Spock, where is your beard? Because that episode is amazing and it's a gift that keeps giving. And when everyone gets back to their proper ship... Spock explains to Kirk that it was much easier for him to pretend to be evil than for evil Kirk to pretend to be good. Apparently that's not the case with David. Apparently it is not easy for David to pretend to be evil.
0: I think Vampire Willow did a much better job pretending to be real Willow than... Well, yes. She was helped by that sweater.
1: Oh, that's. I love that sweater. Okay, so I had an idea for a craft project that I might still do, but the problem is I have so many projects. Mm. I really just need like three different uh, bodies. I just need to like Jamie Madrox it. Mm. So, like, one of me can go to work and one of me can stay here and work on the podcast and one of me can just do all of the sewing I want to do.
0: I get that urge.
1: But I wanted to do every costume that Allison Hannigan wears in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I've spent a lot of time looking at and screen capping her costumes. And the pink sweater that she wears in that episode is almost cartoonishly Willow. Like... It's not the kind of thing that Willow wears in the rest of the series because it's so Willow. Because they needed to have it be, like, uber Willow to contrast with the slutty vampire Willow. Mm.
0: So, vampires really don't need to breathe, huh?
1: They don't.
0: It's true. Except Spike can smoke. I mean, I guess he doesn't...
1: They have the capability to inhale, but they don't need oxygen to live. Wait, but... Angel couldn't revive Buffy with CPR in Prophecy Girl.
0: Yeah, because vampires have no breath.
1: Huh. Well, I, I think Spike's I, just posy with that cigarette.
0: Oh, that's where you're going with that. Not Angel just didn't know CPR and felt too awkward to say anything about it.
1: Honestly, either of those scenarios is hilarious. What's happening in this show?
0: Oh, right. Emma and Regina are hanging out at Granny's. Having a conversation about what happens when the person you like has relatives who don't like you.
1: And Regina's like, well, in my experience, the relative who doesn't like the person rips out their heart. So maybe I'm not the best person to have this conversation with. No, she doesn't really say that.
0: You know what this makes me think of, though? What? Why the fuck isn't Maid Marion in Underbrook?
1: Yeah, you'd think she'd have a hell of a lot of unfinished business.
0: Seriously.
1: And with Selena coming into this season as a main character again, I feel like a lot of Maid Marion's unfinished business involves punching her in the face.
0: Seriously. Although I do love Regina's dismissal of Liam, because Emma's all, boo-hoo, what if my undead boyfriend's brother doesn't like me? And Regina's like, who the fuck cares? I mean, we're trying to get out of hell, it's not gonna matter pretty soon. Which is a little harsh, but yeah. It is
1: harsh, yeah.
0: But I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> Liam's not going to be able to do a lot from hell.
0: Spoiler alert, this is Liam's last episode, so... Probably. Yeah, I mean, he might come back later Yeah, flashbacks. I think
1: there might be a flashback later, but yeah.
0: It's like how we keep on thinking it's the last time Sydney shows up and then a flashback will happen. And...
1: Or we think it's the last time we're going to mention Graham and then here I am saying his name again. This conversation is interrupted by Henry, who shows up to bring them the key... And they all head over to the Sorcerer's Mansion.
0: There's a really, I think it's a good shot, but it's kind of weird if them all walking through this, like, these two bushes that are really close together to get to the Sorcerer's Mansion.
1: It's very artistically framed.
0: So Liam decides that he should be the one to open the door because he has the least to lose. What's going to happen? You're going to be vaporized? You're going to go to Super Hell instantly if there's a spell on the house?
1: Maybe. Yeah,
0: I guess. Point.
1: That's exactly what's going to happen, Max.
0: And Hook's like, you were always the... Noble one. Gosh, I wonder if that's going to contrast with anything we're about to see right now in this flashback.
1: So we flash back to Long John Silver's ship in a storm-tossed sea. Apparently Long John Silver has been steering them directly into a storm so that he can find this gem called the Heart of the Ocean that is in the center of this hurricane. Sure. Okay, I mean, even if you get to the eye of the hurricane, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to find that gem? Isn't it going to be at the bottom of the ocean? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever.
0: This is, this is dumb.
1: Yeah, and Liam freaks out. He's like, this is really dumb and we're all going to die. So everybody who doesn't want to die, raise your hand and we're going to mutiny.
0: Yeah, he's like, mutiny is not great typically, but in this case, we're going to make an exception mutiny his ass and everyone's like yeah you know what don't want to die
1: yeah so his ass gets mutinied
0: everyone turns on long john silver pretty quickly i guess they don't
1: want to die
0: yeah yeah so i don't think long john silver is a pirate in this continuity because they're going on grain runs
1: yeah no he's just a merchant he's just a sailing merchant
0: hmm so this isn't really a tie-in to uh treasure island nope and this definitely is an italian to treasure planet which i think is underrated.
1: I couldn't get through it.
0: I, I understand that. I,
1: I Yeah, and here's the thing. I really wanted to be able to get through it because it's basically proto serenity.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it was the passion project of the guys who who worked like the guys who made it this was their passion project this is the thing that they were pushing since the beginning of the disney renaissance and then it became the biggest financial flop in disney history even i i i think it even worse than that one about the cows which i home think home on the range home on the range which i think was the death clock going off on uh, disney's 2d animation department but it's not It's really, really flawed. There are some strong things about it. There are some strong visuals. And there's a good story in there, but there's a lot of shit slathered on top of it.
1: I'm really curious now about building a theory about whether passion projects tend to be disastrous because the people who are doing them can't step outside and make necessary changes.
0: So they enter the Sorcerer's Mansion... And it's full of cobwebs and cobwebs, mostly. They should really just let Henry go in and find what he's looking for. Liam pulls a Scooby-Doo and he's like, Okay, everyone, split up and, you know, we'll all look for the book. And Emma tells Henry that he needs to stay behind and be the lookout.
1: Um, no. Henry says this was my idea. And- (laughs) he's the one who knows what he's doing the rest of y'all can be the lookout and let henry take care of shit
0: he points this out he's like but this was my idea like i was the one who found the thing and virginia's like don't argue with your mother and he's like but and she's like or your mother
1: that's really cute
0: it is really cute but they all wander off to go looking for the book and he's like remember the last time you left me behind and i saved everyone
1: Honestly, maybe that's why they left him behind, because even being left behind, Henry's like, okay, well, now that I've been left behind, I'm going to go secretly find the pen. And he does. Like, immediately. Since Cruella told him that he's, you know, magically bound to the pen, he's like, okay, pen, where are you? And it lights up, and he grabs it. Basically.
0: In a different part of the house, Liam has found the book basically instantly. I guess Hades told him where it was. Maybe that's why he suggested splitting up?
1: Yes, of course. I didn't make that leap. You're right. That must be how it went down. And he does find the book. And since they're alone, he has the opportunity to rip out the pages about Hades. I will point out that in this particular book, there are a lot of blank pages at the end. Mm. I assume that what we're meant to take from this is that what will happen in hell is as yet unwritten. So, Oh my goodness.
0: David is doing the worst job being sexy ever.
1: Yeah. David's like, oh, I am into sex.
0: And Crilla pulls out a pair of handcuffs and she's like, so why don't we take things to the next level? Which is where David's like, wait a second, you've definitely had sex with handcuffs with my brother. And she's like, yeah, I knew it was you the whole time, idiot.
1: She says, you look like him. But you don't have all of the damage he has that makes the sex so exciting.
0: She specifically says you don't have any of his delicious damage. He's upset because mommy didn't want him. So they definitely have some weird parental roleplay going on. She
1: was referring to herself as mommy when she was trying to fuck David. So they definitely do. Also, this is a weird thing to bring it up with. But another example of once upon a time flipping the gender trope.
0: Yeah. His mommy issues are coming out to play. Yeah. It, That's why he's sleeping with a, I guess she's not really older woman.
1: Oh, she is. She just still looks really great.
0: Yeah. But she's like, yeah, James has hella mommy issues. And David's like, but why would that make him angry at me? And she's like, it's not about you, motherfucker.
1: Well, I mean, it but is. But it is about him. It is about him and that when his mother had to choose which baby to keep, she chose him.
0: Although you could really flip that script and she had to choose one baby to live with a super rich family. And she chose James for that. So you could really play that either way.
1: Well honestly, it's a real Citizen Kane thing going on with James. Yeah. Because that's basically the backstory of Citizen Kane.
0: Or if if you prefer Kane. I was gonna say if you'd prefer Mr. Burns.
1: Yes, it's also C Montgomery Burns' backstory.
0: So Liam brings the book to the rest of the Storybook crew, or I guess just to the Storybook crew. He's not really a member. He's, yeah, that's true. And they notice that there are a few pages missing, and he's like, oh, it was like that when I found it. Uh.
1: And Regina's like, oh, when I was evil, I ripped out my story so Henry wouldn't know what was up. That's probably what happened here. I love the casualness of Regina's reformed evil at this point.
0: So Hook asks Liam, is there any evidence it's been tampered with?
1: Other than the fact pages were ripped
0: out yeah and Liam's like no maybe they just fell out we should we should go looking around the house to see if they fell out when they pointed out that they've been clearly torn out what
1: it's just everyone's being dumb in this episode yeah but when they go looking for the pages that may have fallen out it does give hook a moment alone with Emma
0: and Emma's like hey hey hook I don't want to be uh, negative Nancy here, but Liam seems suspicious as balls. Maybe we shouldn't be putting so much trust in him.
1: And Killian's like, I trust my brother with everything.
0: How dare you?
1: He definitely has nothing to hide. Flashback time.
0: Yeah, God, he's just setting these flashbacks
1: up. Yeah, he is. In the flashback... Liam is down in the captain's cabin trying to find a safe route out of the hurricane when Hades shows up.
0: And Hades is like, yo, let me present you with a scenario. What's going to happen is you're going to kill everyone here. You're going to drive right into the hurricane. Everyone will die except for you and your brother giving me those precious tasty souls I want. And in exchange, you and your brother get to live and I'll give you that cursed jewel that'll buy you your freedom.
1: Yeah. Um this scene really highlights how important the villains are in this show because Hades is trying really hard to be Rumplestiltskin mixed with the evil queen and he is not.
0: He's again, we've been it's saying it. Not
1: quite there.
0: We've been saying it all the time, and it's going to keep going. I like this actor. I loved, liked him in other stuff, but he is way too middle of the road here.
1: It's almost like he was afraid to commit to the real level of camp that you need to do to be a villain on this show. Robert Carlyle, Lana Perea, they will commit their asses off. This needed to be Eddie Redmayne from Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> Not... this.
0: You can play it quiet. Only one person has done it successfully. The Snow Queen.
1: Yeah, although...
0: But her thing was she had actual sympathetic motivations.
1: Okay, but was that successful? Because while I like that actress and that character, I feel like she was really poorly used because of the way the plot seemed to be trying to make her more evil than she was. Whereas if she'd been playing it over-the-top evil, the story would have worked better.
0: Mm. That's weird because she is conceptually my favorite big bad. I like like so much about her. It's just they went 10% overboard with a lot of the stuff.
1: I think if you are an actor on this show, you need to know that the script is not going to conform to any subtle acting choices. And if you are going to make those choices, the script is not going to work to your advantage.
0: Also, she knew how to pose with a cape. That's like, I'd say- That's
1: that's 90% of being a villain on Once Upon a Time.
0: Being able to successfully hold yourself in ridiculous costumes.
1: 90% of being a villain on Once Upon a Time is being able to stand gloriously in the clothes, and 90% is being able to act over the top. And I know that's 180% because that's how over the top you need to be.
0: Also, we complimented them on not going overboard with Hades' flame hair in the second episode of the season, and then it starts showing up literally every episode after that.
1: Well, I mean, you can't not do the flame hair, it's just that the effect is terrible.
0: And it doesn't work in this context, because in the Hercules movie, the flame hair really only came out when he was angry, and this character is never angry.
1: Didn't only come out when he was angry but he... it like
0: exploded when it was angry when he was angry and i feel like that's sort of what they're trying to do here
1: well what they're doing here is he's not angry but he's showing who he is because he looks just like a normal man but he's like oh it's dark in here let me provide some light and then he turns on his flame hair
0: for the like three seconds they ever feel like putting it in
1: which is that's that's plenty
0: yeah But I feel like if you're going to handle it that way, like the flame hair only comes out briefly, then it should be when he's at the height of histrionic rage.
1: I guess that makes sense.
0: But blah, 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 he wants the souls, blah, blah, blah. And Liam pulls a sword on him and Hades is like, dude, 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 pointy sticks, not useful against magic.
1: At least not here in the overworld. Uh, no, I like that because, of course, to him, the underworld is just the world. This is the overworld. It's nice. It's a nice line. He needed to be hamming it up about 12% more than he is, but it's a good line.
0: That's actually a thing in uh, The Silver Chair, the Narnia book, The Silver Chair. Uh-huh. There, There's a bit where they're in an underground society and they refer to, they're like, no, this is just where everyone lives. Then there's the overlands where crazy people live because there's nothing to stop you from falling into the sky.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious.
0: So, yeah, Hades offers him the thing that you would buy at a nature museum.
1: Oh, yeah, it's a little blue geode. The eye of the storm is a little blue geode. You know, as far as we know, it doesn't even have any magical properties. It's just a shiny rock.
0: Yeah, like, Hook referred to it as being cursed
1: it's cursed because everyone drives into the storm to try to get it. Yeah. So.
0: In Underbrook.
1: Liam throws the pages into a well so that no one will find them.
0: Do you think this well is the source of all magic in the underworld?
1: I don't know, but I do know it leads directly to Hades' throne room. Emma comes out to have a talk with Liam about how he doesn't think she's good enough, but she knows that he's a villain.
0: Yeah, she's like... Hook's blinded by the fact that you're his older brother and that you died before your time, which gives everyone a blind eye about people. So, I know you've got shit going on. Own up to it. Be the man your brother wants you to be.
1: You know what she doesn't bring up? But Her superpower. Oh. She does not mention that she has a superpower. She just says, I know you're lying. Hook comes out and it's like, why are you harassing my brother? I already told you I trust him. And she's like, if you trust him so much, look at his hands. And oh no, his hands are filled with the ink from the book. And it's like, wait, what? The ink on the book was still wet and it's so easily identifiable that he knows what that is and not, oh, I must've put my hand on one of the very dirty things in this dirty house.
0: This whole scene is stupid. Hook has this giant speech before that happens about how his brother's the one true person in his life and she just wants him to be a villain so it'll make Hook feel like he's less of a villain and...
1: Yeah, he's all like, you just want me to think that humans are people with complicated motivations so that I will stop blaming myself for all of the bad shit I did and let you save me.
0: And then he sees the ink on Liam's hand and immediately flips his shit.
1: Also- You are
0: a villain. What have I become? Ah.
1: And all of the men from the ship that died show up and are like, Hey, we're going to kick this dude's ass.
0: Which, good. Yeah. Because Liam purposely drove them into the storm so that they would all die so that he could get that rock that would buy them their freedom.
1: We got to a flashback where that is exactly what's happening. Yeah. He lies to Hook, and he tells Hook that the reason they are driving into the storm is because he checked the charts and there is no good path out of the hurricane, so the only way out is through. And Hook rallies the rest of the men, telling them, basically, look, we trust this guy, we trust him with our lives.
0: My brother is such a good dude, he's a good, great guy. He's the best person ever, he's the least villainous person on Earth. Put your faith in him.
1: This speech will definitely not come back to ironically bite me on the ass.
0: Oh, also Liam hands Hook his lucky ring.
1: The ring that he gave to Emma. Oh yeah. Right, Uh, remember? Because he had all the rings that symbolized all the bad shit he had done, except for that ring, which was about his brother who's all good and pure.
0: Hmm. Back in the underworld, Liam is being called on his shit.
1: Basically, this scene is just the crew telling Hook the things we've already seen. I don't know why they decided to show and then tell, but, oh, maybe there was an intern who isn't good at spelling and they wrote show then tell mm. instead of show then tell.
0: The crew, to punish Liam, drag both of the brothers to the pit to super hell.
1: Yep. Yep. And Killian's like, wait, why am I going to super hell? And the crew's like, she lived when you shouldn't have. Hmm. He's dead now.
0: Yeah. It's not his fault. Although if he hadn't gambled with Long John Silver, then Liam wouldn't have been there to stage the mutiny and Liam wouldn't have sold all of their souls.
1: It's true. Although I will point out, Liam wouldn't have been there to stage the mutiny. They would have all died anyway under the exact same circumstances. Yeah. Unless someone else staged a mutiny and that person didn't give in to Hades and then that person did steer them out successfully. Ooh, that could have happened.
0: So, oh, by the way, the dead crew is being led by Long John Silver again, because apparently mutinies stop counting once you're dead. Sure. Hades shows up to save his favorite errand boy by tossing Long John Silver into the pit to Superhill.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Long John Silver doesn't get the reward that everyone else is going to get at the end of the episode. Basically, Liam is like, I'm going to sacrifice myself for my brother.
0: Oh, yeah, because... Hades is going to punish Hook for escaping from his dungeon by throwing him into the pit to Super Hell, but not Liam. And Liam's like, I won't let you do that to my brother. And Hades is like, okay. And he flips uh, Liam almost off the edge.
1: But Hook catches him. And Liam's like, no, brother. I deserve to go to Super Hell. Which, you know what? He does. He does deserve to go to Super Hell.
0: He did sell all of the crew to Hades.
1: Which is funny because at the beginning of the episode, Hook was talking about how he was turning into their father because he was a drunkard. But actually, it is Liam who turned into their father by selling the rest of the crew.
0: Yeah. Wow. Formative causes. So Liam's like, no, you need to let me go. The only way I can pay penance for my sins is to go to Superhell.
1: And so he drops down into the fire, but it turns out that... That sacrifice was all that he needed to resolve his issues. So the pit of fire turns into water and now he's on a rowboat so that he can row off into heaven. And uh, the rest of the crew joins him because apparently their unfinished business was...
0: Helping him get over his unfinished business?
1: Although this is better than the Meg one because... Meg, we know nothing about her backstory. These guys, I can see how seeing Liam get what's coming to him is their unfinished business.
0: I have an MVP extra in this scene, which is the guy in the uh, skullnet hat and the plaid who looks so confused throughout this entire scene. There's not really a particular reason. He just seems like he's the leader of the rest of the crew. I don't know.
1: Yeah, he's got a real Keanu Reeves whoa face going on.
0: He looks so confused throughout this entire thing. This actor is like a microcosm of my feelings during this whole episode. Confused, bored, kind of hungry.
1: I wonder if he got high before he went on to set.
0: I could see that. I just, I love how completely disengaged this one actor is with everything that's going on. We're Kind of talking over it. Hook and Liam are having their super special farewell, and Liam's like, You could come with us. And Hook's like, Eh.
1: Yeah, Hook's like, Wait, since you're an asshole, maybe I deserve to be redeemed. No. No, that's not how that works.
0: Should have gone to heaven with your brother. So, back in the flashback,
1: we wrap up the story of Killian and Liam. They wash ashore and are greeted by a member of the Royal Navy who's like, Hey, Two guys washed ashore. And Liam tells them they sailed into the hurricane, they managed to survive, and guess what? They found the heart of the ocean. And the Navy officer's like, oh great, here's two commissions for my ship.
0: It's weird because when Liam tells this captain what their mission was, you know, to find the eye of the storm, The guy's like, oh, you two are fucking idiots. You got what you deserved. And Liam's like, oh, really? And the guy's like, oh, you found it? That makes you heroes. And clearly you were looking for honor and not wealth?
1: No, no, no. He offers them rewards and Liam says they were looking for honor, not wealth. Ah. Yeah.
0: And then the guy goes off on this tangent about how Liam's a true hero and they earn commissions on...
1: They earn commissions on his ship...
0: Bodie face. The
1: jewel of the realm. Uh, and Hook's like, that's a nice ship there. I might have to take it and rename it the Jolly Roger.
0: So, back in hell... Back- Hook
1: is apologizing to Emma because she was right about everything. And he fills her in on how Liam almost got thrown into the pit to super hell, but instead ascended to heaven.
0: Yep. And... He wasn't a hero, but then he sacrificed himself and he became a hero. And it's like it's a parallel to my story, except not. I mean, I guess it is because Liam sacrificed a bunch of people so he could get what he wanted. And then he felt bad about it and did it.
1: Well, it's exactly Hook's story because he sacrificed himself
0: to undo the horrible thing that he did.
1: Yeah, it's exactly Hook's story.
0: And everything that Liam did was to ensure that Hook had a future. So now he's going to have sex with Emma all the time. Poor Emma. Poor, poor Emma. So meanwhile, Henry has found the author's pen, which is glowing under a lamp. As you do. Yes.
1: And not just the pen, but also the ink, which is nice because then we don't have to ask questions about where the ink came from.
0: Yeah. He didn't have to go through all the ragmarole to get the Dark Savior ink. That's good. Why was that even a part of it?
1: I don't know. It was so dumb.
0: But yes, Henry has the glowing pen and a little thing of ink. So now. But I
1: think the ink, like, constantly refreshes. I think as long as he has an inkwell, it doesn't really. We don't have to worry about how much ink is in there.
0: Well, what if he splashes it on someone's face and they get permanent makeup?
1: Oh my god.
0: Yeah. I,
1: for- I literally forgot that was what happened with Cruella. So everybody gathers back at the Charming Loft.
0: They've got the book, but it doesn't have any information about Hades because, you know, that bit was torn out. And Emma asks where Henry is. And Regina says that he's being, he's doing the emo teenager thing upstairs. And it's like, hmm, I wonder why he feels bad just because all of you keep on stopping him from solving the th- You're all getting in his way.
1: Yeah, like-, like, when teenagers want you to treat them like adults and they storm off, usually it's kind of funny slash annoying depending on how close you are to the teenager. Because teenagers are not adults and they do not know what they're doing. But Henry's the only competent character. I feel his anger. His anger is justified. His
0: anger is super justified because he's the one who keeps on being like, okay, I found out what we need to do. And then they're like, oh, okay, we're going to do that. You stay here. And then he ignores them, goes and finds the next thing that they need. And they're like, oh, okay, we're going to do that. You stay here. I get why he's mad.
1: Well, here's the thing. He's not even actually mad. Henry is better than us because he's really mostly just formulating a plan. And he needed to be away from all of the people who were making bad decisions so that he could formulate a good plan.
0: Why are they assuming he's being an emo teenager?
1: Maybe he just needed a goddamn second away from the Charmings.
0: Which he's not going to get because David is here to give an incredibly smug speech about how Henry has family, and it's the most important thing, but... Yeah,
1: he talks about how his brother went evil because his mother abandoned him, so therefore, family makes you good. That is a terrible lesson, Max. That is a terrible lesson.
0: And he's like, so just know that if you want support, you've got people who will support you downstairs, but if you want to stay up here and be an emo sad sack... Then that's fine too, you piece of shit.
1: Look, I know that's literally what David's saying, but is the lesson he's imparting not, if you are given up for adoption, you will become evil?
0: Huh. Huh.
1: Just saying, this show.
0: But Henry's like, the reason I'm up here was because no one is fucking listening to me.
1: Also, I do think he really needed to figure out what his next step was. He comes down and he shows them that he has the author's pen. And they're like, we thought you destroyed it. And he's like, I did. I killed it. It's here in hell.
0: And he tells them, yeah, Corella made a deal with me, you know, to redeem mom for killing her. I could use the pen to bring her back. And everyone's like, I can't believe you're going to do that, Henry. You're evil. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. Calm the fuck down.
1: He says, I'm going to use the pen to do what it's supposed to do.
0: Spy on other people.
1: Yeah, basically, right? Well, he's going to write the story of Hades. That's his plan. Yeah. That's a good plan. It's a great plan.
0: This whole thing bothers me so much because they're all assuming the worst of Henry right off the bat for no reason.
1: You are so angry. You're as angry right now as I was during the Meg episode. You might be as angry as I was during the Mila episode. I suppose
0: you've been pretty angry the past few episodes.
1: It's just... They're acting like he's just being an angry teenager,
0: but he's not. He's mad because he's the one competent character on the show and you don't ever let him do things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So down in Hades' throne room, he picks up the pages that were thrown down the well. And he finds what it is that he didn't want them to know. And we all get to see it as well. One of those badly photoshopped pictures... This one of him and Zelina. (gasps) They
0: used to bone. Also, he taught her how to ride a bike.
1: Yeah, like that scene in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid.
0: So, that was this episode.
1: Do you have something for our segment, What This Show Should Be Instead? Because I don't. Because my What This Show Should Be Instead is this episode shouldn't exist. We should just jump straight to the next one.
0: See, my thing was, it should have been all Henry. Henry his Henry is having the most interesting plotline out of this. They there should have been more I I know we hate the fetch questy type things in this show, the show's over-reliance on fetch quests as narratives. But that actually would've worked here. This could have just been a whole episode about Henry finding the pen and the inkwell.
1: You know what would have been really cool? If that had been what this episode was, and then the flashback segments had been flashing back to different authors struggling with using the power responsibly. And then when he made his decision at the end, we would have this knowledge of the way other authors have struggled with it and what their solutions have been.
0: See, I also think that you're probably going to disagree with this because I know this was one of your, one of your least favorite parts of the episode. But I think that Cruella should have been distracting the storybrook crew while Henry was looking for this by pretending by pretending to think that David was James. I think the show should have been more of that because I thought that was really, really hilarious seeing David fail at being evil and sexy.
1: Maybe if we had known from the beginning that she knew that he wasn't James, those scenes would have been funnier and less cringy. Yeah. And then we could have had more of them and I would have been okay with it. So I think that does it for us for segments this week. Yeah. All right, so that's it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you would like to be one of our supporters, you can head over to our page, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link.
0: We've got fun bonus stuff, uh, cut rants.
1: Yes, you can have me read you fairy tales occasionally. And you can get a thank you here on the show. We would like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan.
0: If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show.
1: If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines.
0: Uh, We can also be contacted at ilovetelevisionzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com.
1: So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. Mm There's a grief that can't be spoken. There's a pain goes on and on. Empty chairs at empty tables. Now my friends are dead and gone. Here they talked of revolution